And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Nights. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. Put in Really consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in after a week hiatus, a little week off here on the Hogan Johns podcast. We are back. What's up, Johnsy? What's going on there, Hoagie Cat? <laughs> the hell was that? I don't know. Do you forget who I was after a I'm week? I'm a little rusty here. Yeah. We had, a, we had an event last night. It was fun. Yes. Yes. Drank some prisoner wine, some Moscow mules. Moving a little slow this morning, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, well, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, we are back. We had a little week off. It's the dead period of the NFL, and uh, but we want to make sure we got you an episode this week. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. Um, also, want to tell you just a little heads up that at the end of this episode, you're going to hear something a little different because we have a trailer of the Athletics next narrative series called luck and it is about andrew luck it the athletics colts writer zach Kiefer, who you've heard on this podcast before uh will bring you andrew luck's story like you've never heard it before he spoke to over two dozen people jim ursay bill polian frank reich chuck pagano our guy chuck is in there um lots of different people to go through Andrew Luck's crazy career and retirement. Um, there's going to end up being six episodes of this on what will be on the Athletic Football Show feed uh, starting Monday, July 11th. So at the end of this episode, just so it doesn't catch you off guard, you're going to hear a little trailer. And I listen to it. It's pretty good. So make sure you stick around to the end of the show for that. Um, but yeah, we were at uh, a fun event last night at Tau, downtown Chicago, for the Vaughn McClure, Jeff Dickerson Foundation, two of our friends and pals who, of course, are no longer with us. And um, it was really a really great event. And drinks were had. Probably not enough food was eaten. <laughs> Which was really our own fault because yes. there was plenty of food floating around. But where we were standing for most of the event... The way the the servers they were holding the trays of food, they would get picked off by the crowd. And yeah, by the time yeah, they get they, to they us, they there was making, no food left. Yes, where we were by the bar, yeah. holding court, didn't make us that way. I think I had one egg roll, but it was an awesome event. 
Sarah Spain did a wonderful job emceeing it. Rob Demosky was pretty funny up there, too. Rob Demosky is the Packers ESPN reporter. So got to see Nick Friedel. Trying to think who else. Danny Zetterman. Sylvie came out of nowhere at the end, but he was there yeah. the entire time. I'm um, good to see everybody. He did. He got, got there way later. I or think at least he was always like... there. Oh, okay. He said, but he was just on the other side picking off the food. He was the problem. He was... He, I don't think he's complaining about food on the radio show, radio show today. <laughs> Probably not. Again, it was our own fault. It, instead of just moving, we just for some reason didn't. And then, uh, then the event was over. We're like, um, we need to eat more food. Yeah, yeah. So but it was a great event. Absolutely great event. Yeah, just it was. Men. Um, if you want to check out the foundation and the causes, they raised a bunch of money for causes that were close to um, JD. And Vaughn McClure, you got your JD shirt on. Speaking of that, um, did you see Joe Johnson from Obvious Shirts there last night? No, I did not. It was packed. So, yeah. So it was like right at the end, we're trying to get the group of people I came with, um, we're trying to get them, well, you know how it is, rallying up a group at the end of a thing. Like you're trying to get everybody in the same it's place. A problem. Yeah, definitely yeah. a problem. And then all of a sudden, our friends Joe and Devin, they're 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 waving at me, but like we don't see them in person a whole lot, and it was like sort of out of context, and I didn't even know they were there. It was one of those things where it's like, are they waving at me, like or somebody else? <laughs> and I was in the middle of a conversation, so they thought I was big timing them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was you know I felt bad. You're a jerk that, anyway. Yeah, you probably were. But yeah, probably just That's naturally. Tap typical me. Um. So, but then anyway, Devin walked over and then we talked and I didn't even know they were there. They donated a bunch of JD shirts to everybody at the end of the night. Yeah, I got one, another one on the way out. I had no idea that they were doing that. So just another reminder of our partners at Avi Shirts and how awesome they are. Because that was like a partying gift for everybody at the end of the night was one of the JD shirts um, walking out. So, and they did not have to do that. Uh, Of course, they didn't have to do everything they did at the beginning with the money they raised with those shirts. Um, so great people. And of course, um, the people that make our our shirts and our merch, which you can get at obviousshirts.com, including this hat. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful event. On a, it, was a, it was a fun way to cap, maybe even like a somber day for us, because we had John yeah. Mullen's funeral in the morning. Uh, if you're a longtime Bears reader, John Moon Mullen is... Well, he's a legend around here. Um, passed away last week. Uh, his funeral was in the northern suburbs on Tuesday before the Vaughn McClure Jeff Dickerson Foundation event. Yeah, gonna miss so it. it. Yeah, it was a, it was a um, kind of a weird day to be honest. Like, yeah, you know, you had that in the morning. A lot of same people that were at the funeral were then at the event later, and you know, I liked how it was like a celebration and a happy event. Um, last night, but then there were also moments where, you know, we were remembering. Yeah, you know what I thought too. of. So it was sad what, what, too when they were honoring the the award winners. So this this foundation part of it gives scholarships to future journalism students, right? Kids that are going high school seniors who are going to college. And I was thinking about how different this business has become. And we had Moon's funeral in the morning. And Moon would always tell stories about how the combine was so different. So if you're a longtime NFL fan, he used to tell these stories about how 
the reporters used to just hang out in the hallway. And he used to tell this story all the time about how Peyton Manning was just randomly walking through the hotel hallway. And he stopped them and they talked for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, Moon, I don't believe you. He goes, no, that's how it was. There's only a handful of reporters at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. He was one of them for the Chicago Tribune at that time. And Peyton Manning, what year is that, 1998 or something like that? Um, oh, you're talking about when he was coming out? Yeah. Yeah, Combine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is not like now. This is when he was, you know, this was when, taking yeah. over Ryan Leaf. Yep. And he's walking down the hallway by himself. No entourage, no security, none of that. Stopped him, talked to him for a half hour about football. Peyton Manning Great. could not have been nicer to him. But that was Moon. That's how Moon did his work. Yeah, he had no fear to do that at all. And that's how, you know, he had a lot of stories like that, how things used to be. Yeah. Uh, and what a fascinating man. I'm glad they t- touched on that a little bit at his funeral because I don't know how many people realize, like, he went into sports writing very late in his career. Very late in his career. He was like 40 or something, I want to say. And it was vastly different than his other careers. Yeah. Um, didn't they say... See, we, he did a podcast. It may have been on this one. I forget. Where he came in and just like, we talked for 30 minutes about his career and stuff. And... um. They said at the funeral yesterday that one of his jobs was an arson investigator. Isn't that what they said? <laughs> I remembered from that co- that conversation that he had he had a crazy job like that. Yeah. Before he went into to being an awesome Bears reporter. And, and I think the joke was made how that helps you become an NFL reporter. Who knows? But then I thought, you know, you are kind of investigating things about how things you know kind of go really perfect bad. for starting to cover the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Some things are kind of just, you know, in a proverbial sense, set on fire at Hell's Hall. Yeah. There are, and there are and that's where Moon came in and made his success. You know, he's like, oh, I've, I've done this before. Yeah. There there are fires to put out and fires to uh, investigate at Hell's Hall all the time. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, that's a good segue to some things that we need to talk about on this episode. Um, one thing couple things from The Athletic, which you should be subscribed to, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you go to subscribe. Um, Lindsey Jones had uh, the annual NFL 40 under 40 piece that came out yesterday highlighting, of course, non-players because pretty much all the players in the NFL are under 40. Other than Tom Brady, but yes. Yeah, and a couple other handful of guys, but you know, 98% of the league under 40. So it doesn't make sense to look at the players. This is more about the coaches, the GMs, agents, executives. Um, I got a little kick out of the executive section because they're like all just family members of the owners. And they're like 26. <laughs> I'm like, eh, okay. Must be nice. Um, but anyway, the reason we're bringing this up because Ryan Poles on the list, Luke Getze on the list, Justin Fields' agent, David Molugeta on the list. On the list. I want to say Sean Desai was on the list last year. I also want to say that Sean McVay essentially invented this list. I chuckled <laughs> to see his name again because the dude doesn't age. He's yeah, only 37. Say, he's, how is he still 36? <laughs> Is he 36? He's 36. Well, I keep forgetting that he is the same age as me. Um, 
Where did you go wrong? <laughs> right. But doesn't it seem like he's been around forever now? Like, so, like, I just, he feels like he's 46 to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're this he, successful, this young, what was the quote? Like, less need, age does not matter. He, like, he kept that, like, uh, Kevin Costner kept the, uh, what's his name or else in the pocket on draft day. Like, age oh, does yeah. not matter to less need when he was going through his hiring process, which landed Sean McVay. Vontae Mack, no matter what. Yeah. I, I was surprised that Ian Cunningham is not on that list, but I could be wrong about his age. Maybe oh, you were surprised he wasn't on that list. Yes. Yes. I think he's under 40. Um, yeah. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Someone needs to fix that. Um, I don't see his age on the uh, bio, so not sure. But I'm pretty sure he's under 40. Yeah, a little surprising he wasn't on that list, unless he is over 40 and we're just wrong. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that it's just kind of a reminder that the Bears do have some young people that have taken over that they're respected around the league because this isn't just Lindsay coming up with her own list. This is her soliciting opinions from around the league and correct asking people, hey, who should be on this list? So it's peers that are saying, oh, you know, look out for Ryan Poles. Look out for Luke Getze. And now, it varies. Like, I, I know how she compiles this list. Like, hot names will vary year after year, right? Mm-hmm. One guy's a hot name this year because he's part of one of the best teams. But then the next year... Maybe some players are injured, quarterback changes, and, and it's not the same story. But there's a lot of young talent, and it's. I think it's a. I think we've been here before with the Bears because Ryan Pace was once on the, uh, on these lists. But it's a fresh start. I like Ryan Poles' approach to to rebuilding the Bears. Well, and that's the caution, right? That like, in some ways, we keep going in these circles with this team because, yeah, Ryan Pace was the same age. When he first came in, same type of reputation, worked with a winning organization for a long time, won a Super Bowl. A lot of similarities there. Um, and he, somebody on this, you know, would be on this list. Matt Nagy, I think technically, I looked this up yesterday, would have just barely been 40, I think, at the cutoff deadline for this. So he technically wouldn't have been on this list, but same type of deal. You know, respected, young, new coach. So it's good to be on the list, not necessarily a precursor, though, for future success. Yes, yes. So let me get into this part of the conversation then because I fielded questions for a summer mailbag. I got a bunch of them. I answered only seven of them, but I want to get to some of these other questions. But since Ryan Poles is now part of our discussion right now, let me ask you this question from Glenn that I got. I want to hear your answer. Okay. Now that OTAs are wrapped wrapped up. Can you see Paul signing anyone who would significantly impact the roster between now and week one? Or given his roster building strategy to this point, shunning big dollar contracts and older veteran free agents, are we more likely to be rolling with the players we've got under contract now to start the season? Um, I have to be honest, little distracted because all I could think about as you, as you were asking that is how many bottles of prisoner did you drink last night? <laughs> Do I sound that bad? You sound like you're sick. <laughs> Drink some more of that coffee. <laughs> Wake up. 
Wake up the the vocal cords. It's hilarious. You want some energy there, Hogue? Okay. No, it's not even that. The energy's fine. You just you literally sound like you have a cold or something. No, I'm good. I'm the, good. Just, the energy's not the problem. You're good there, buddy. Yeah, I'm it's just, just hanging a little bit here, man. I'm just hanging. <laughs> okay, so I'm Eddie, fighting through this for you, you listeners. Yes. No. This is hey, play hey, no excuses. Play like a champion. Um, what? Okay, repeat the question, please. Oh, a long question. <laughs> no, I know. What, it's all essentially, right, right. can we see Ryan Pauls making any big moves before the season starts? Yes, or is he rolling with the players under contract right now because he hasn't spent a lot of money? Yeah, I don't see any big moves. Um, They have, look, they have, what do they have? Like, I'm going to just throw out a random number here that's probably wrong. I think it's somewhere around 18 million in cap space right now. Yeah. Somewhere in that general range. Um, they, I think, would ideally probably like to roll that over to next year when they're projected to have, like, the most in the NFL, essentially. So that just gives you more. Um, but it is kind of a good uh, reserve fund to have available Yeah, if you do need to go out and sign guys but in terms of like big moves big trades um you know like i saw that a couple weeks ago kyle brant just threw out there on good morning football like wouldn't it be awesome if terry mclaurin was on the bears and he put up a they put up a graphic that showed like this is what the bears weapons would look like if you just add terry mclaurin (laughs) and it was like wow that looks dramatically different that looks better yeah uh, love the idea, but like can't picture Ryan Poles is giving up a ton of draft capital right now for one of those wide receivers. And of course, Terry McLaurin yesterday signed an extension with Washington to stay there. So that's a moot point. DK Metcalf still kind of hanging out there. But if that's the type of move we're talking about, I just cannot see that happening. What would you give up for DK Metcalf? What would you set his market at? Ooh. And with that market, would you put your Ryan Poles hat on? Would you act on that market? Well, I think it starts with the first round pick, doesn't it? And I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I. You know, we're not talking about one of these quarterback trades where it's like multiple first rounders. I think it's a first, maybe a third. You know, maybe you swap a couple late rounders in there or something like that. I, it, I, I. It's not as much as you gave up for Khalil Mack, but wasn't that Khalil Mack trade kind of a a lesson learned in that? Not that it was a bad trade, but it's just like even when you make the trade where you're like. Yeah, this is probably going to look like a bad contract at the end of it. We knew that at the time. We said it. But you're like, you're going to get four great years out of one of the best players in the league. Yeah. You still didn't even really get that, though. You you basically got one Khalil Mack year. Yeah. Well, the problem with that is, see, I, I feel like the Bears, Ryan Pace and the Bears, made a Rams-like move before the Rams became known for trading their first-round picks for premier players. I don't mind that strategy. But Sean McVay had an offensive strategy that they believed in. Was one of their is one of the best play callers in the NFL. Then they only enhanced that philosophy by trading for Matthew Stafford later, which put them over the top. 
Well, and that's the thing. That that's the difference. They got the quarterback that could yes. take them over the yes. top. And and we said it at the time. We've repeated it many times ever since. Like the Khalil Mack trade was doubling. You doubled down on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Because that that would have paid off if Mitch had paid off. Panned out. That, yes. I, I think they would have been legitimate. Matt Nagy panned out. Let's add that to the conversation. Well, that too. If, yeah. If, I mean, Sean McVay out. and Matt Nagy ended up in completely different different stories. Different yeah. stories being written. The difference between the the Bears doing it and the Rams and doing it after. Just look at the Rams draft. Yeah, they like this F these picks mentality. That's it's not exactly true. Their drafts are all big. They just don't have first round picks. They draft like eight, nine guys every single year. Cause they move around. Like Ryan Poles did did this year. Small draft class. I need a bigger net. I need bigger I need more players. The Rams do that all the time. So they fill out their roster around these stars with capable players that they draft. They do it every year, every single year. Yeah. I'm not opposed to trading one first-round pick for somebody as good as DK Metcalf. Um, like one question I have here, I, I got a lot of questions for this mailbag. This is from Sean C. What a trade. With Robert Quinn and a second rounder be enough to trade for DK Metcalf? The answer is no. Not even close. Wait, what was that hypothetical trade? It was Robert Quinn and Robert Quinn and a second rounder for DK Metcalf. Well, that's no. just not yeah, I it's not real. Well, it look, if the Seahawks are trading away DK Metcalf, they're not a team that's trying to acquire an old pass rusher. No. That's I don't know if the market exists out there for Robert Quinn. Got a lot of questions about what that could be. I'm mm-hmm. not sure it exists. I'm, I'm sure he wants to play for a winner. But those winners have to be willing to part with picks and take on salary. That That's my big question there is how patient is Robert Quinn willing to be to essentially wait for that market to develop? Because I agree, I don't think that market's there right now. I think it could be. Players get hurt when needs arise for other teams. But is he willing to show up to camp, put his body through training camp, um, risk the possibility of injury while he waits for that? Yeah. And from the Bears' perspective, I'm sure at some point you would take almost anything but you still want to maximize that value, which requires patience on their end. Right. Different story than Cleo Mack. But if you're also the Bears, are you not totally heartbroken if he doesn't participate in training camp? Because at least he's staying healthy then. True. Because if he gets hurt, now you, you can't get anything for him. But I don't think there's some handshake agreement with the Bears and Robert Quinn's side, though. No, it doesn't sound that way. I mean, based... Matt Eberflus seemed generally... Genuine, gen, I am hungover. Genuinely annoyed <laughs> that Robert Quinn was not there. Kent, can we please pull that as a drop? <laughs> that was amazing. Right, he seemed a little pissed off that Robert Quinn was not there. Yes, you're absolutely. the one who got the clarification. Asked if this was an excused absence, and he's like, "What do you think, Hulk?" Yeah, he's even caught off guard by the question. I'm like. Hey, man, we're just doing my job here. 
Sometimes they are excused absences. Mm-hmm. You got to ask the question. You got to get that clarification. Um, yeah, I. It, it just seems like it's a holding pattern on Robert Quinn. It, it's this is weird. Usually we have like a sense for how these things are going, like whether it was the Allen Robinson thing, whether it was Alshon Jeffrey with the franchise tag back in the day, whether it was Matt Forte with the franchise tag. Like, I, I genuinely, and part of it, I think, is because Robert Quinn is one of the more interesting men in the world, I feel like. He is just his own thing. That's what makes him fun. Like, the way he just shows up to his press conferences and... Yeah. You know, he just he's just like Robert it. Quinn. I yeah. like it, too, but I it makes it very hard to have any idea what he's going to do when training camp starts. True. I don't know if he's going to be there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right. Want another question? I like this question from Rory. Over the last several years, let me give you a little more energy here. Okay. Let me wake up. Okay. Let's do this. (laughs) Over the last several years... (laughs) You want They're this? Pay- What's that? What well, this, I could try to hand it through the computer through to you. The, computer. the Starbucks espresso we're, drink. We're halfway through this coffee. We'll get going. Well, these things just give you a little bit more of a quicker jolt. A little some juice. Some juice. All right. Over the last several years, there basically has been two dominantly successful styles of offense. The Andy Reid offense and the Shanahan offense. And 
As a result, new head coaches were primarily hired from those coaching trees. In my opinion, I feel the Shanahan-style offense is the best, more player-friendly, while the Reed offense style has its good years, Doug Peterson and a little bit of Frank Reich. It seems only Andy Reed can consistently succeed with it. And I feel Mahomes has had a lot to do with that success. What's your opinion on this topic? Well, I definitely agree that Mahomes was kind of the, the guy that unlocked it. Um, I, so sometimes we forget, because it's been such a good run for the Chiefs here, that and not taking anything away from Andy Reid as a coach, but he was like the coach that was good but not great, that couldn't get over the hump before Patrick Mahomes. Um Certainly had had a lot of success, but they would have way more ups and downs, kind of hit or miss years, uh, until Mahomes got there and kind of steadied that. And then I think that they've done a good job in their personnel department of finding the right players who can handle that type of offense. And I think that that's where the Bears kind of failed, where their players either didn't fit or couldn't pick it up because I think it is in a lot of ways more complicated. Yeah. Matt Nagy tried to reproduce the impossible, in my opinion. It just wasn't going to happen. He wasn't only going to find another Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't going to find another Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends ever. Tyreek Hill, one of the greatest receivers of what, this, this generation? The fastest? Yeah. Just wasn't going to, to happen. Wasn't going to happen. And if you watch the Chiefs' success, yes, the screen game is good. Bears are never able to get that going here. So many different things work better for the Chiefs just within the structure of that offense. But then beyond the structure of the offense, the play after the play, that's that's where Patrick Mahomes made Andy Reid look like a genius. I'm not taking away th- anything away from Andy Reid, but that play after the play where it's not the real play. You may practice... Scramble drills and all that stuff. Scramble rules, all that stuff. But but Mahomes is special in it. You know that, what does Matt Bowen call it? Those second reaction plays. When the first play, when the play call is over and you have to go make a play for your team. Patrick Mahomes in those situations is a superstar. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for what the Chiefs are doing, but like it, that's, that's not the style of offense that I tend to side towards because... Not that I have anything against it, but you have to have those special players to make that work. You know, I think I think what the Bears are doing, this is the argument I've made, I feel like I've made a thousand times this offseason, is even with less talent, even with question marks on the offensive line and at wide receiver, it would not shock me if the offense has more success just because of the scheme. Because this scheme... I agree. Fits the players better. It's more player friendly. You know how I would describe it? It transcends quarterback. From Matthew Stafford to Aaron Rodgers to Jimmy Garoppolo to Kirk Cousins. Yeah. There's all similarities within this offense. Yes. Changes from play caller from play caller. But some of the principles are the same. The basic principles are the same, I should say. Transcends quarterback. It works for them. I mean, we'll see what happens. There'll be some bumps on the road for the Bears, but what did Matt Eberflus say when he was hired? Like his introductory press conference, Luke Getze was already coming aboard. He said something about doing research about system and scheme, and this one carries 
from team to team. There, he made some comment like that, just in terms yeah. of consistency, how it helps the quarterback. Like he did his research, and that's why Luke Getzey is here. I like that research being done by one of the best defensive coordinators from the last ten years. Well, we always talk about that with the head coach interviews. Like that is a big part of it. You know, when you come into the interview, you got to have a plan. You know, and it's not just what are you going to do defensively? What is your defensive history? It's what's your plan? Even more so, the questions are what's your plan on offense? We know what your defense is. What the hell are you going to do on offense? And who was it that reported, like, I feel within five minutes of Matt Eberflus getting hired, look for Eberflus to go down the Shanahan tree. And that style of offense. Like, that, that came out immediately. Was it like Albert Breer or some, somebody yeah, like that yeah, put that possibly, out there yeah. like, almost right away. And um, so it was obvious that that had been like what he had sold in his interview to Ryan Poles. And um, I like it. I have questions about the talent, but I do really like what they're trying to do schematically. And I think that word identity, I feel like they're going to have an identity, even if they don't have talent, a lot of talent. And oh, by the way, and this is the other thing I keep going back to, what if the quarterback is really good, which is a possibility? Then it might all work out anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let me find a Fields question. You keep talking. Um, <laughs> well, one thing I was noticing as you were reading that last question, you, The Athletic has different readers, man. These are like paragraph-long questions. Very well written. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm impressed. I'm Here's impressed. One, Here, but they also have a sense of humor. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here's the sense of humor one. Ready for this one? True or false? Kevin Fishbane gets his hair from his bubby. <laughs> it's from Samuel B. False. <laughs> now I gotta go find my fields question again. Oh, uh, the fish man. We should have had him on today. He's probably not even working. No, he's off. This is from Michael D. What individual quarterbacking trait, in your opinion, does Justin Fields need to put on display more during training camp to show growth? Ooh. Um, can I say? Can I answer first? Sure. You know what I'd like to see? Just smooth-looking seven-on-sevens. Yeah. Where everything favors the offense. I get that the defense probably picks up on things as they continue to practice against one another, but things do change as the offense adds more. I would just like to see him avoid those seven-on-sevens. We're like, oh, that was ugly. Oh, that's a bad throw. Where he goes six for seven, five for five, and it looks smooth. Consistency is what I'm looking for in training camp. Yeah, I think think for me it's just... Quicker decisions. So not just timing, not just making the right decision, but doing it quickly too. You know, the ball, one, two balls out. Yes. one, And, and that goes back to what you're talking about in those seven on sevens. Like just you never get back, feel good. clean, throw the ball, and, you know, to where it should be quickly. Yes. You never feel good about a seven on seven drill where the quarterback ends up scrambling. And that happened way too much in OTAs. Yes. From what we were able to see. Mitch did it too under Nagy. 
You don't want to see it. Yeah. It you just, don't want to see it. I mean, there's no pass rush. <laughs> Where are you going? All right, let's go defense real quick, and we'll get out of here. This is from Derek D. from Northern Ireland. Does Eddie Jackson have a bounce-back year in the new defensive scheme, and will Jalen Johnson find it hard to adapt? Love the articles and podcast. Derek. I don't think Jalen Johnson will find it hard to adapt. I, I think, think Jalen Johnson, I, I think he's going to benefit. I think you're going to see him have more interceptions, Jalen Johnson. Eddie Jackson, I can see having a better year. I do not think we will necessarily see him replicate just the ball hawking of 2018, which is possible in this defense. But I, if I had to place a bet which safety ended up with more takeaways in 2022, I'd put my money on Jaquan Brisker. Wow. I think the a secondary... Of Kyler Gordon, Thomas Graham Jr., Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, and Jaquan Brisker should be exciting for Bears fans. That is a whole bunch of talent, young talent still, that I think can be, again, there'll be rookie mistakes. The pass rush may not help them every single game, but in terms of talent, skill, Natural ball production. This is a very exciting secondary that the Bears have for this season. I like the secondary. I agree. I agree. And I think that's a very good thing considering what Ryan Poles decided to do in the draft. Right? Draft those DBs. You kind of have to hit on them now. So, but I like it. Assuming that we see uh, Kyler Gordon back out there practicing when training camp starts. Because when he was out there, I liked what I saw. Yes. Yes. But he was there in Jersey, just not practicing, which is encouraging as opposed to nowhere to be seen. Which has happened. That has happened. but Like Kevin White. Yes. Oh, don't go down that road. No, I'm just saying when that whole thing, when that was like, oh, why is he not practicing, OTA, shin splints, blah, blah, blah. You didn't see him out there. Yes. Yeah. He was like missing. The the most alarming thing about the Kevin White situation is when he first, like when training camp first opened. This was D- Danny Waisaki. She is the the senior, what Booker for Embassy Sports Chicago right mm-hmm. now, and she was out there uh, working training camp with the rest of us. And she goes, "Oh my gosh, look at Kevin White's leg, his left leg," and you could see that there was some what's the word atrophy. The muscles weren't the same size from the left leg to the right leg. And like right then and there, like, oh no, this is a problem. This is more than shin splints like John Fox tried to sell it off as one day. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, but the the point is that, that I don't think that's what's happening with Kyler Gordon in any way. The way he was riding that bike during camp or during OTAs was he wasn't gingerly trying to get his muscles loose. He was riding it like he was in a race. Like he's on the Peloton. Yeah. Listening to Kendall or someone. Something tells me you did not get on the Peloton this morning. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I've been slacking lately. Too much baseball. How was your dinner with Chris Emma last night? It was good. Okay. Fish and chips. Went to the nice. Cherry Man right around the block. Very nice. Starving. Um, yeah. I 
I'm still hungry, I think. Oh, today's going to be a greasy meal day for me. Maybe an Italian beef. Ooh. You disapprove? No, I don't. That made me think I should stop at Portillo's because I still have to drive downtown to do the CHGO show today. All right. One more question for you. I'm going to ask you. I got a lot of questions about this guy. Okay. And I'm not the expert on this. You should be. What have you thought about Trenton Gill? Um, I, as you answered in your Q&A on The Athletic, I was not tracking every single punt. Um, I spent a lot of the special teams periods looking at the schemes, quite frankly. Um, but did not see anything that concerned me at any point. He seems to have a good leg. Um, field goals I do watch pretty closely. Never noticed any problem with holes or anything like that. Um, I did take note like early on that Cairo Santos was like literally walking him through or holding his hands through how he wanted the ball, ball held. Yeah. Well, that's a Which, real thing because yeah, kickers, be yeah. kickers have a preference and it's up to the holder um, and a little bit on the snapper too to get that ball snapped um, with the laces in the right spot so that the holder can quickly get it at the angle because sometimes the ball gets held at different angles um, and that's kicker preference. So you got to adapt to the kicker. And that's where like, I'm not trying to make it a big deal, but moving on from Pat O'Donnell, who was the middle of that kicking battery, it's an adjustment, but you got plenty of time to figure it out. And I think to answer the question, like, the fact that they moved on from, you know, Ryan number three, whichever Ryan that was on the team, uh, that was Ryan Winslow, right? The punter, correct? Not the Ryan quarterback or the Ryan tight end. It was Ryan's confusing. a good name. It is a good name. <laughs> um, that would be uh, son number two. It's son number two for me. They did have he did Trenton Gill. They Trenton Gill had. One punt where Kevin Fishbane and I were talking in the back of the end zone. And it landed, I want to say... It hit Kevin in the head. That would have been hilarious. Did you see <laughs> Justin Fields's? <laughs> so I was on the phone. Now I'm completely getting off topic. So we're standing next... I think it was some college scout was standing next to us. And we're watching in the corner of the end zone. And Justin Fields had one of those plays in a red zone drill, where it's now he's scrambling at 7-7, seven seven, so he throws it out the back of the end zone, and it's coming right for us, right for us. And I'm yeah. on my phone taking notes, so I kind of step out of the way. Kevin's got nothing. Doesn't go for the ball. You know, right, it went right, right, right by Kevin was standing, gets out of the way, and goes to the marshlands and lost forever, where all those balls from the kicking competition, kicking competition are now buried. And the, the scout there, I think from like northern Illinois, Gave uh, us a hard time. He's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Catch the ball. <laughs> I saw that guy there from Northern. Yeah. He was tall. He had yeah. a nice hat. Well, anyway. Make a play. Pretty, yeah. We, we should have made the play. Make I should have had my, my phone should have been in my pocket. Um, but before that, when they're doing special teams work, we were in the same spot. And Gil landed a punt. They hit inbounds at like the three and then bounced out of bounds. And it was mm. beautiful. And I go, I had to confirm, like, was that Gil, Kevin? He goes, yeah, absolutely. That was an awesome punt. So that's my one takeaway from Gil from the offseason program. And that was the last open day. It was a bomb inside the five. 
bounced out of bounds. Put him in the Bears Hall of Fame right now. There you go. Right damn now. All right, we should get out of here. Um, good stuff. Drink that coffee. Get that greasy meal. Enjoy your day. Hey, I do want to say real quick, um, I don't think they necessarily, like, they're definitely not looking for this type of publicity or anything, but I, I just wanted to, it was a nice gesture to see the McCaskey family at Moon's funeral yesterday. Um, so I just wanted to point Virginia that out. Virginia McCaskey herself. Yeah, Virginia was was there, and, uh, you know, very George, notable. George, Pat, and Brian. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, love Moon. Love Vaughn. Love JD. Um, yesterday was tough, and it was fun at the same time. And um, we still got this podcast out today, which somewhat seems like it seems like a miracle. <laughs> He's making fun of me, everybody. <laughs> uh, Obviousshirts.com. Get the merch. Uh, and, you know, go to The Athletic. You can check out the Q&A on The Athletic. And Lindsay's 40 for 40 that we talked about. 40 for 40. What is this? 30 for 30? It was a documentary series. No, it was thir- 40 under 40. There you go. Check it out. Um, speaking of documentaries, too. Got that trailer for luck coming up right now as well. Um, enjoy the 4th of July. Everybody have some fun. Be safe. Don't be stupid. Come back home with all 10 of your fingers. Okay. But have Please. fun at the same time, but don't be stupid. Okay. Like John's last night, he had fun, but he wasn't stupid. I'm here. Yeah. Responsible adulting. That's what we stand for here on the Hogan Johns podcast. Um, we'll talk to you next time. everybody. See ya. And now here's the trailer of the Athletics' next narrative series titled Luck. We peel back the curtain in a way that's never been done before on one of the most unique careers in NFL history. Get all six episodes of Luck on the Athletic Football Show feed on Monday, July 11th, wherever you listen to podcasts. At the center of one of the greatest what-ifs in NFL history is one of the greatest quarterback prospects of all time. What if the Colts had protected Andrew Luck? It's amazing that the Colts could move on from Peyton Manning and nobody really blinked. The reason why Andrew turned around the Colts and turned around Stanford was that beast inside of him that would look at the opposing team and say, I'm going to kill you today. My encounters with him were unlike other encounters I would have with quarterbacks. He could have been a thoracic surgeon. He could have been anything. I don't think there's ever been a smaller gap between someone's floor and their ceiling. If it's 1 to 10, he's a 10 in every category. There's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, all wrapped up one. High end, he's a Hall of Famer. Low end, he's a multi-year Pro Bowler. Like, I can't see there's any way this guy doesn't succeed. I just remember him saying, Jacoby, like, this is going to sound weird, but but can you hit me on the sideline? Because I need to feel the game right now. I I don't think I'm supposed to hit you. With Andrew, it was very secretive. Seeing all the treatment he would go through, see all the hits he would endure. It was like, man, I know you have to be injured. He gets sandwiched between two linebackers at that moment. He has a ruptured kidney. The sort of injury you sustain in a car crash, basically. I never knew what the hell was bothering me until all this news came out. And it was like, oh, wait, he was suffering from this? It was all news to us. If the people that succeeded us had put a team around him, as we did with Peyton, the results probably would have been the same. 
Andrew Luck has become a cautionary tale for any team with an up-and-coming quarterback who doesn't have protection. I remember both of us having a moment where we both were teary-eyed going, man, this beautiful, beautiful player is uh, not going to play anymore. I'm Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, and I'm the host of a new podcast series called Luck. It's the Andrew Luck story as you've never heard it. The series looks to answer this question. How did the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway, the very player the Colts moved on from Peyton Manning for, end up walking away from the game before he was 30 years old? All six episodes will be released on July 11th. Look for Luck on the Athletic Football Show podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. And listen to Luck ad-free on the Athletic app. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.